to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Natural MD Radio. This is your host, Dr. Aviva Ram, and this is episode 163, in which you are going to meet an unusual and wonderful couple, Taylene and Sirak Kalajian. Taylene is a PCOS weight loss registered dietitian and a strong believer that you don't just have to live with PCOS, you can thrive with PCOS. She was diagnosed at age 18 and left scared and confused without much information or guidance from her practitioner. Unsatisfied with the generally accepted belief that birth control is the only way to manage a PCOS diagnosis and disheartened after failed attempts at weight loss through excessive exercise and dieting, Taylene decided to look for alternative options. She studied nutrition science and became a dietitian, gathering information from her studies, speaking extensively with various health experts who are now guests on her and her husband's podcast, and working with clients one-on-one. She discovered that eliminating gluten and dairy as a huge key to living healthier with PCOS, and together with her husband, Sirak, a PCOS-focused personal trainer, developed a program meant to make living with the diagnosis easier to both understand and embrace. Taylene has helped thousands of women manage their PCOS symptoms and is living proof that anyone can overcome PCOS and lose weight naturally with a healthy approach to diet and lifestyle. Sirak is a PCOS personal trainer and a strong supporter of women struggling with PCOS. He's taken his skills as an engineer and applied his creative genius to editing and producing the content within their membership and social media channels. He co-hosts their podcast and brings a lighthearted and understanding approach to PCOS management. When they met, he swept her up off her feet with the slow weighted approach workout approach that's now become part of the PCOS weight loss method and that you're going to hear about in this episode. And of course, as all of you know who have listened to me for a very long time now, weight loss and body shaming are not part of the ecosystem of my work and my brand. But for those of you who are struggling with challenges around your weight or around insulin resistance. I think there's going to be a lot in this podcast that is going to be relevant for you and actually quite a relief to realize that you don't have to push so hard and there are simpler, gentler ways to take care of you and get a handle on what's going on for you. And aside from that, their story is absolutely hilarious. It's like this Hollywood meet cute. So without further ado, I bring you Taline and Sirak Kalijian. So you guys, this is a very unusual podcast for me in having a couple on that have gone on a journey together, and it's really powerful. And I think it's so important. Um, Certainly not everyone in my audience is going to be partnered up, and some people may not be in a, you know, heterosexual partnership. But when one person with any chronic health concern Um, is in a partnership, they can often feel like they're going through it alone, that their partner doesn't understand. The fact that you two have gone on this journey together and that you're also making this possible through example for other couples, I think is 
really, really important. And of course, PCOS is one of those conditions that can also affect fertility uh, for a woman, her body image. So there, with this condition particularly, there are things that can come up in a relationship. So thank you for being who you are and doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having us on together. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. And you know, those of you who are listening who don't know, I actually met these two wonderful people. Um, they were so generous to have me on their show and to have me on Instagram Live promoting hormone intelligence. And that was how we connected. And there was a very richness, in, a real richness in the connection and, and such an authenticity in what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. Telling, can you start by taking me and our listeners on the journey? of when you first realized that you had PCOS or wondered whether you had PCOS, what was going on for you? And were you with Shirak at that time or were you not yet together? Sure. So when I met Sirak, it was later on in my journey when I was trying to figure out how to manage my symptoms. So when we met, he really pivoted the direction of my working out, my lifestyle, and helped me manage that in a sense. But when I was first diagnosed, what the first symptom that I felt was not being able to go to the bathroom and pee fully because I had ovarian cysts and they were pressing against my bladder. And I didn't realize that. And I just ignored that symptom. I was like, this is strange. Then I, my ovarian cyst ruptured and I went straight to the hospital. It was so painful. And that's when I was diagnosed with PCOS. How old were you when that happened? I was around 18 years old. And had you had, like in retrospect, when you think back on your first periods, puberty, is there anything now you're thinking, oh, that was a sign of that? Uh, maybe my period starting late, very late at like 16 years old, that could have been a sign of that something was off. And when you went to the emergency room, I'm just curious, is, you know, one of the common experiences women unfortunately have is dismissal of pain. Yes. And there are stories of women going to the emergency department with a ruptured ovarian cyst with, which like when you're a physician and you see someone come into the emergency department and someone is exhibiting the physical symptoms of an ovarian cyst that's ruptured. If it's a man, you might think it's a kidney stone. If it's a woman or if it's a woman, you'll you'll be like, okay, kidney stone or ruptured ovarian cyst. There are very few things where people come in and they're like in that much buckled over pain. But a lot of women are asked things like, are you sure it's not just your period? You know, like mm. seriously, or they're sent home. Were you treated respectfully? I, I hope so. But it you know, I'm just curious. Yeah, I was very lucky. I've heard so many stories, but for me, when I went to the hospital, all the doctor had to do, it was a male doctor too, is just press on my ovary a little bit. And I was like screaming in pain just by the touch of like the ovary, the pressure, area, on, the the pressure ovary. on the ovary. Did you end up losing that ovary? No, no. Everything healed actually through diet and lifestyle afterwards, you know, everything reversed later on. I mean, that's a very stretch, long stretch. That's a, I just fast forwarded like so much, <laughs> but I didn't lose so anything. You have this ruptured ovarian cyst. And then I assume you go back to the primary care office at which point somebody diagnoses you and says, Oh, this is what's going on. Yeah. My doctor, my guy, my gynecologist told me this is PCOS. 
Um, I had irregular periods. I had an ovarian cyst rupture, the string of pearls on my ovaries. I was uh, exemplifying hyperandrogenism. So she immediately said PCOS, immediately told me to go on birth control. And there was no other questions asked of what is going on, blood sugar, how that might impact my ovaries. Nothing, I nothing, nothing, nothing until I went on Google. Yeah. <laughs> So for those of you who are listening, String of Pearls that Talene mentions is a classic visual sign of polycystic ovary syndrome that's seen on, on um, ultrasound. And what happens is with PCOS, your body is producing a lot of follicles, but you typically don't ovulate. So when you look at the ovary on ultrasound, you might see a whole lot of follicles that are are in some form of development. So it looks like a little string of pearls on the ovary. And that's where the term polycystic ovary syndrome comes from. But not everyone, in fact, most people don't have that visual symptom. And it doesn't mean you don't have um, PCOS. But when you do see that, it's a pretty definitive sign that you have it. So in one way, you were fortunate to have such an obvious symptom of it. Um, so did you go on the pill? Um, I actually did go on the pill and just to like hop back to the ovarian cyst issue. Yeah, it's a, it's actually so many women are commonly misdiagnosed because they don't have cystic over or they don't have ovarian cysts. And the doctor tells them, oh, you don't have PCOS. And they go many years wondering what they actually have. When in fact, you don't need to have ovarian cysts to have PCOS. You can yeah. have two other symptoms such as irregular periods and um, hyperandrogenism to have PCOS. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. And it's so often missed because of that. You you also can't necessarily diagnose it based on lab work. So there's certain lab work that if you have it, it suggests you have PCOS, but if you don't have it, you might not be diagnosed. So exactly. in many ways, I think you know, so many women struggle with not knowing what's going on with them. So sometimes when you have this symptom and you get the diagnosis, it can at least give you some focus and direction. So it sounds like you started the pill, but you went on Google. So tell us what you found. <laughs> well, <laughs> I started the pill because I felt like there was no other choice. And then I went on, I also went on Google just to see if there was any other choice. And the Google also said, take the pill, lose Wait, weight. What did the doctor tell you about the birth control pill? Did they actually explain what it does to you? No. And that blew my mind altogether because I was seeing on Google that there were so many side effects of birth control and risks and all these things that weren't addressed at all in the doctor's office. You know, the micronutrient deficiencies that can affect PCOS ultimately that come from the pill and thyroid issues, this, that. So I wasn't monitored at all. I felt so like I, I took it, but nobody was looking at me like, is she okay? Is her mood okay? Is she gaining weight from the pill? Is it making it worse? Nothing. I was just throwing it. Nobody knew anything about it. And that was it for a while. And Google was saying the same thing my doctor was saying at the time. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Awareness has definitely started to grow, which is an important thing. So, okay. So fast forward. First of all, for anyone who's listening, if you're hearing that sound of rain in the background, it's raining here where I am. Is it raining where you guys are too? It's it's actually sunny as California can be. <laughs> okay, so it's my rain that everyone's hearing. I live out in the country and we don't have a soundproof room. So so we don't hear sirens like when I'm interviewing someone in New York, but you're hearing my rain. Um, <laughs> it's probably adding like a relaxing feature to the podcast. It's yes, helpful. it's like the, the background noise. It's it's wonderful. We don't have to have like Radio Lab doing um, you know, a great, great background for us. So 
Well, okay. So first of all, you mentioned Helene, and I want to say your name is so beautiful, Sarak. I, I'm going to keep practicing it until I get it exactly That's right, okay. or just yeah, keep saying it. it. <laughs> but you were doing this journey yourself, and then you two met, and you mentioned that when you guys got together, he helped you get on. Now, was that because you're a personal trainer? That's your background work. That that you were like very motivational? Yeah, I mean, I had a background in personal training. And one of the uh, few dates that Tyne and I had in, in the first months that we were dating, we went to the gym together. And one thing that she was doing was like running around the gym trying to do like all these different kinds of workouts. And I kind of like told her to hold on, stop for a second. Let's go one set at a time. You know, let's do one workout, rest 60 seconds and do the next workout. And she had been told from many doctors to basically work out as hard as possible to burn calories and focus on the whole calorie in, calorie out, you know, the old formula. When I explained to her that, you know, you don't have to focus on the extreme uh, workout aspects like that. Instead, focus on just getting in the workout, focusing on developing the lean muscle. And when she started doing that, she saw immediate results in like her metabolism, improving her insulin resistance. And more importantly, she felt so much better. Yeah. I felt like I had meditated after the workout. You did. I felt like it. I felt like it was a meditation, the slow pace, the breaks, the weightlifting instead of cardio. So let's talk about your perspectives on why over exercise. Cause we know, right. We know that exercise in and of itself is an independent factor for improving insulin resistance and reducing mm. symptoms of PCOS. But the three of us know that there are reasons that overexercise can be a problem. So can you share your perspectives on that with listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to working out with PCOS, there's a couple of factors to look at. And the first one is cortisol, your stress hormone. So a lot of women with PCOS have cortisol dysregulation where they're not able to you know, regulate their cortisol levels throughout the day. And what happens when you do really intense workouts, for example, when you do a hit for hours, when you do spin classes, things of that nature, you can potentially um, increase your stress hormone, your cortisol hormone. And you're not able to lower it back down, leading to fatigue, leading to inflammation, and not able to basically feel like yourself when you wake up the next day. And a lot of women get stuck in this cycle of basically working out as many times as possible throughout the week, and they don't see results, or maybe they have weight plateau or weight gain. And it can be this cortisol hormone, hormone that's impacting that. And in studies even show that cortisol can lead to weight gain specifically in the midsection. And we also know a lot of women with PCOS struggle with weight gain in the midsection as well. And there's also insulin resistance. You know, when you do intense workouts for really long periods of time, let's say you're going for an hour long run, maybe two hours, your body will dump a lot of sugar into your bloodstream to use for energy. However, when you have insulin resistance, that sugar is not able to convert to energy and instead gets stored as fat. So you can be trying as hard as possible or running for hours, but that can actually be working against you. So can you be very specific? Like if you were going to come into my practice, both of you maybe as sort of like show and tell, but also with your experience as a personal trainer, your experience as a person who's gone through this, and a woman said to you, what is the best exercise program for me? Now, obviously, it's going to be different for every individual mm -hmm. person, but what would be a really great place to start in terms of how many days a week, for how long, is there a specific time of day or afternoon, and what types of exercise are the most effective for actually keeping cortisol from getting jacked up 
helping mm-hmm. with insulin resistance and building this lean muscle that we were, you know, we you were talking about that you helped tell lean with. Yeah, absolutely. So my first suggestion would be to focus on lightweight training and to do it three times a three times a week. If you want to do it up to four, that would be okay too. But three times a week is ideal because you get a day break between your workouts, helping your body recover and perform at your best when you do your next workout. And each of these workouts would be about 30 minutes long, maximum 45 minutes. And you're focusing on compound movements such as squats, you know, Thigh workouts have been shown to really improve with insulin resistance because, you know, the thighs, the legs are the biggest uh, muscle groups in your body. Um, Focusing on compound movements such as deadlifts, you know, basically just utilizing light weights to improve lean muscle because research has actually shown that when you add lean muscle to your body, it will even improve metabolism, improve insulin sensitivity. And because you're going at a slower pace and not, you know, running from one workout to another, you're able to keep your stress hormones low. So you're not impacting those cortisol levels. Is there a time of day that you think is best? I know that, you know, later in the afternoon, we have more flexibility. We may have a little more stamina than first thing in the morning. Do you think that there are advantages to switching it up throughout the course of the week? So uh, a lot of people would suggest that working out in the morning is best because when you work out in the morning, it boosts your metabolism for the rest of the day and can help with weight loss if that's what you're looking for. But honestly, there's no big advantage from the morning or the afternoon. But I will say uh, I would recommend not working out too late in the day. For example, if you're working out, you know, past 7 p.m., 8 p.m., that's going to impact your sleep because when you work out, you're going to naturally, you know, raise your metabolism. You're going to naturally raise your cortisol level even just a little bit. And that can just, you know, take away from your night of sleep. And the beauty of exercise is that, you know, we think of PCOS in a very limited way, but we now know that PCOS is a major cause for depression. It's a major cause for binge eating. There are lots of ways that exercise has been shown to help with sleep, with mood, with food regulation. So getting that exercise can really be such a powerful um, change to make. So Teline, tell us, did you did you fall in love with him because he was <laughs> helping you in the gym? <laughs> I honestly love saying that. Like, honestly, I say, you know, in webinars and things like that, I'm always like, I fell in love with him after the PCOS personal training and I married my personal trainer. (laughs) It's so fun. I love that. Yes. To your point, it did help with my mood. It helped with my symptoms. It, It was a healing exercise. It wasn't just working out for my metabolism and weight loss. It was meditative. It targeted my insulin resistance, my adrenal issues, you know, the slow weighted workout approach that he had developed. And we have now immersed into the PCOS community was a healing process rather than burning the calories and losing the weight. And that is how I saw the best results that didn't just last for a day or two. It lasts forever. How did you get motivated to get, I mean, it sounds like you were already at the gym. So maybe the better question is for both of you, um, how do you help women, people with PCOS 
who feel discouraged and maybe, I mean, we know that not everyone with PCOS struggles with weight, but it is more common than not. So a lot of folks end up with really self-esteem issues and not believing in their body. And when then you don't believe in your body or you don't see the results, it's harder to get or stay motivated. So what are some tips you can give for getting motivated if you find yourself just struggling to get started and staying motivated? Because it's not like you start and then you see results tomorrow. Yeah. It, of course, you know, results come through consistency. And I understand the pain of a PCOS woman where you just don't believe in your body and you don't think that anything will work because you've torn yourself apart doing crazy workouts for so long. But we have so many great testimonials that are so motivating. We post them all the time of women who are taking care of their bodies and not abusing them with over-exercising anymore and feeling better. And if you, number one, if you feel fatigued and you don't want to work out because of that, we suggest not working out or going on a walk instead, you know, rest, take a nap, relax. Maybe it's not time to work out yet. Maybe uh, addressing your adrenals is a better choice for now, meditating or something mellow. And then if you don't feel motivated, you know, it could just be one workout a week. You just start with one small goals. Yeah. And so many are already demoralized because they've been already told to work out so much and they haven't been able to maybe see the results doing that. So many people are demoralized as a result because they haven't been led the right path. So we're here to kind of reset that and help people know that you don't have to work out five, six, seven times a week. You don't have to work out when you don't feel like it. You can go on a walk. You can do something else like yoga, meditation to improve your health. And it's not always about, you know, burning calories. And what about for folks who either don't have the resources or, or like literally don't have the time or live somewhere to get to a gym or with the pandemic, just can't go to the gym right now. Do you have any preferred online um, great resources. Like my, for my, my birthday this year, my best friend, she's done some amazing, she's 46 and she just decided to get fit. She used to be a dancer. Then she went through medical training, residency, fellowship, had two babies, developed a thyroid problem and had gained a lot of weight. And she mm-hmm. just was like, I am going to nourish my body. And she, I mean, in the past two years, She lost like 40 pounds, but more importantly, she got fit. I'm talking like fit, like she looks like an Olympic body trainer. I mean, not that intense, but she is fit. (laughs) And what she did was she got really into, well, one, yoga. She got um, Peloton, but she's doing like the floor exercises. And she said for her that just doing even like 10 minutes of arms or 20 minutes of core and abs that you're doing like 30 minutes a day, like four days a week for her. And it wasn't about losing weight. It was really about how can I get stronger and how can I do one more thing today than I did yesterday? And so for my birthday this year, Peloton, I don't have a bike. I just do the floor thing, but they have a thing when you're a physician, it's $9.99 a month. So she said, okay, go in and like register your physician self, <clears throat> but it's my birthday present to you and like book congratulation present because my book came out the day <laughs> so after nice. my birthday. And I'm telling you, like the reframe for me, I've always been someone who loved movement and to be fit. And I, I fortunately for me, I don't have PCOS, but I just got in the habit of sitting and writing the book and doing interviews. And so yes. getting going on that, I always hike and stuff, but actually getting going on like intentional strength and core training was new for me. I hadn't done it in a few years. 
And she's so right. Like, it's now fun because I can do 20 minutes of core and I can do 10 minutes of arms and four times a week. It's like 30 minutes. I can do that. And I can watch myself, the reps get easier. And it, it is a lot of like compound movement. So it's like a thruster, you know, it's like a squat and then like an arm raise kind of stuff. So it's, it's but it's fun. And I really, there's a lot of reframe mentally hearing the trainers say things like sweat is an accomplishment, you know, like to really remember <laughs> Or like, yes, it burns, but that's what you're here for, to not get scared of it. So that's been, so what are your preferred online places people can go who are listening? Well, we've created a platform called The Sisterhood, and we have workout videos on there where women can follow our slow-weighted workout method. And we do live workouts once a month so that we can work out together kind of virtually. I love that. Yeah, it's very helpful. And- yeah, and it's all designed so that you can work out at home because we know, especially with COVID, one, it's hard to go to the gym, but two, we all have a very busy schedule and we don't always want to drive somewhere else. So they're all workouts that you can do at home, either with dumbbells or no dumbbells at all, at all either. That's wonderful. And having that accountability where you're doing it periodically with other people really makes a difference. I think we tend to show up when we are being witnessed or are part of a community that we spur each other on. Yeah. And to your point about mindset, I just want to touch on that because that's first and foremost, so important to have the mindset of healing yourself and not jumping right into the workouts, but first evaluating, because in the sisterhood, we have something called the five stage success path. And the first stage is to evaluate what your PCOS type is. If you struggle with adrenal problems, if you struggle with insulin resistance, understand that and change your lifestyle first. And and that will help you feel motivated and make you feel better because you're comfortable. You're not stressing yourself out. You're prioritizing meditation if you have adrenal issues or you're working on blood sugar management if you have insulin issues. And then you work through the stages and get to the working out part. And at that point, your mindset is where it needs to be so that it's not a calorie type of issue and it's more of um, healing. So let's talk about these different types of PCOS. I think this is very important. You mentioned adrenal. So, you know, in the medical world, basically you have PCOS, you have PCOS and it's done, right? There's like, we're not differentiating. We know that the symptoms are differentiated in that there are 10 different sort of phenotypes, the way PCOS might show up physically or in someone's life. Mm -hmm. But mm, physicians don't really differentiate. It's basically like the pill and metformin. So from your perspective, and also the kind of the system you've created, talk about these different types of PCOS and how women can recognize what type they have. Sure. This is the fundamental like first step to management. So you can start implementing the lifestyle changes. So the first type is typically inflammation. And this is when you see a lot of acne, cystic acne, skin issues, bloating, moodiness, joint pain. Um, And everyone with PCOS has some degree of inflammation. And so the second type is insulin resistance. Now, 70 to 80% of women with PCOS struggle with this. And with this, you'll see really intense cravings, hangry attacks, you know, mood issues as well. Um, 
insulin triggers high testosterone. So you might see symptoms of high testosterone as well. And then the third type is adrenal fatigue. And this is when you'll find that you're fatigued all the time, or you get eight hours of sleep, but then you wake up, you have no energy. It doesn't feel like you slept at all, as well as not feeling motivated to work out or working out a lot and being addicted to that adrenaline rush of working out. And then the fourth type is typically hypothyroid. And this is when your thyroid is suppressed. You might see um, a lot of hair fall, weight gain without any explanation. Nothing you do is working. Of course, weight gain can be a symptom of all four types as well. And so you can understand what your PCOS type is by looking at your symptoms or by getting a lab test done and really taking a look at your adrenal um, hormones and insulin levels and so on. But And what was the fifth type? I think I missed one. Oh, it was four. Oh, four. Sorry. Okay. So four types. Got it. Got it. And of course, yes, there's crossover and a lot of women have both going on. Yes. Yes. Because the hair fall can be thyroid. It can be high testosterone. The acne can be stress. It can be high testosterone. It's it's complex, but it helps to have a way to think through it and to get outside of the box of just a diagnosis and two medications or possibly anxiety or antidepressants. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you know you have adrenal issues, then you know that, you know what, maybe going on a run every day isn't a good idea, or maybe cycling all the time isn't the right workout for me, or maybe I should prioritize meditation or anti-inflammatory foods to reduce the stress on my body. Mm-hmm. Now, did you... I mean, had you already started implementing nutritional dietary changes or was that something that came after this workout marriage that happened? <laughs> workout relationship. <laughs> um, for me, the dietary changes came first. I was studying to be a dietitian when I got around when I got diagnosed. And I went to a lot of naturopathic doctors and they all told me to try going gluten and dairy free to see if that's going to help with my symptoms. And it turned out that it helped so much. And that was my first step in reversing my PCOS, understanding if gluten and dairy were um, causing some of the issues that were happening to me. But of course it didn't end there. there. There's a lot of layers to managing PCOS I did acupuncture. I did a 12 hour fast. I took supplements, but the dietary changes of going gluten and dairy free profoundly pivoted the direction of my PCOS journey. Now, Sirak, were you like, let's go out for a pizza on our first date? And she's like, "Uh, no, I'm gluten and dairy free. How did, how, where were you in the food, on the food chain here? And how did that work as a, as a couple getting together? Well, the, the funny thing for me is before I, I even met Talene, I was really into like the research behind gluten-free, dairy-free, because I used to listen to a lot of podcasts from like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who does a lot of research into this. And when we were on our first date, I was on Sunset Boulevard in LA and we're, we're about to order food. And Talene just mentioned to me that she's gluten dairy-free. It's the first time she told me she didn't mention anything about PCOS, but I was actually like kind of like in more I was like more interested in her as a result <laughs> because I was like oh she's like in the same boat as me like into the same health sphere and of course I wasn't like 100% gluten or dairy free I was still eating both but I was it, it definitely intrigued me and the first thing I did was I ordered her like a gluten-free like vodka drink because I just wanted to impress her 
uh, for anyone wondering, Tito's is gluten-free vodka. But I am like smiling ear to ear. I'm just like, you know, like it's it's like the Hollywood meat cute, except it's the gluten-free exercise meat cute. It couldn't be more California, but, but it's, it's so, so it's so perfect and adorable. I love it. We were on Sunset Boulevard. Like it could not get more California yeah, than that. Exactly. But it's, it's like so perfect. It, it's so perfect. And so... So you, Shirak, already had an understanding of what Tallinn might be going through. I want to hear from each of your perspective. What can couples do when that understanding actually isn't there? What are some of the challenges, first of all, that you hear from either the women or the men or, or, or couples, maybe same-sex couples, that one partner has PCOS and the other doesn't? What are some of the struggles and challenges? I mean, I know like in my own practice, for example, when I'm working with a woman on dietary changes and her partner's eating like a bag of chips at, and watching, you know, drinking, drinking alcohol while they're watching a show at night, it's really hard. It's hard to not kind of go into those habits or hard to like stay on your path. So what are some of the things you've heard and what is some of the maybe advice or guidance you can give for getting both people on board to support the person with PCOS, but also to support the person who's trying to understand and be helpful? Yeah. And the interesting thing is I, we've both seen two sides of it. We've seen partners who've, who've like uh, commented or messaged saying, I really want to help my wife or my partner with PCOS. I want to really help her. Can you please let me know what I can do to support her? Which is amazing. We love seeing those kind of comments. And then we'll see other, the complete opposite spectrum where someone will tag their partner and then their partner will be saying something like, don't be so negative, or they'll be saying something that's not really helpful. So yeah, like we get DMs from people saying, oh, my partner tells me to work out more or thinks that I'm not trying hard enough, Yeah, doesn't understand where I'm coming from, or like thinks that I'm eating too much, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So we see both sides or sometimes partners who aren't supportive of the fertility aspect of PCOS. Yeah. I mean, there's both sides of the coin. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you can help First of all, the person with PCOS be more expressive about their needs and get the support they need and also help the partner who doesn't have PCOS to be understanding and supportive. Yeah. I think the first step is to educate yourself, get yourself armed with knowledge, mm -hmm. set your goals, think like, what am I going to do? Understand what's P what's going on with PCOS then present it to them. Mm -hmm. This is what worked for me. Everyone's different. But then once you understand what's going on, your spouse or your partner or whoever, you can explain it to them in a way that they can understand. Yeah. You know, hopefully you're on the same page about it. I mean, if you explain adrenal fatigue, I don't think they're going to keep telling you to work out more if you show them the facts or if you show them our Instagram. Yeah. And <laughs> what Tanya mentioned, like learning for yourself first is really important because if you don't, if you don't know everything about it, maybe you're worried, maybe you're really stressed out about it. Then when you talk to your partner, you're going to sound very stressed. You're going to sound like panicky and they're going to take it the wrong way. They're going to start being stressed out as well. But like when, when Tallinn told me about it, she was very relaxed. She kind of explained it to me really slowly. And like when she told me she was confident about it. So I immediately want to support her. I immediately wanted to find out more information to help her. So I think like Talian said, arming yourself with knowledge and giving yourself the confidence to know that you can reverse your PCOS symptoms. Then when you do tell your partner, they're going to be more supportive. And at the end of the day, your 
your partner loves you. They're with you for a reason. So mm-hmm. no matter what you tell them, they're going to be there for you th- through thick or thin. And you know, it's just one of those things. To- yeah. And if that's not the case and they're not, no matter what, like they're not understanding and so on, and you feel discouraged and you're doing all these things for yourself and they're not cheering you on and they're judging you. It's a time to evaluate your relationship too, because in life, I feel like a lot of things can happen besides PCOS and your partner has to be there for you through with PCOS or other things. So this is just one of those issues, you know, you're either going to make it or this person isn't going to support you. And maybe you have to evaluate your relationship. I just want to like, let everyone soak that in with the sound of the rain for just a minute. My cold, hard reality. Well, (laughs) no, I mean, it's a painful, hopefully most listeners are not in that extreme situation, but for so many women in so many um, circumstances, it is that hard Um, hard revelation. And, you know, I've seen it come up, not just with partners, but with a woman going home for the holidays and her mom pushing the cookies on her and her saying, I really, Mm -hmm. you know, I I really need to hold my space and not have that. And here's why. Um, Yeah, these are all tough situations. But after a while, actually, with family, especially when they see that you're being consistent, you're taking yourself seriously, they'll start taking you seriously. You mentioned being on the fertility journey together. Can you talk mm-hmm. more about, n- not you guys specifically, but about couples being on the fertility journey and partners not necessarily understanding the impact of PCOS on fertility? And how do you go through that gracefully together as a couple? Sure. Typically, women are diagnosed after they get off birth control and they want to start getting pregnant. So it comes as a shock to suddenly find out you have PCOS that can, that can be a lot, like all at once for both partners, you know, no one knows what's going on. Now you have to navigate this PCOS world and figure out what's going on. And hopefully you come across us and realize you can reverse your symptoms, but, uh, it's a, it's a challenging process, you know? So, I mean, patience is important and, um, tenacity of course, and, just doing your research and starting from step one, understanding your PCOS type so you can implement those lifestyle changes, diet changes, workout changes, all of these things to reverse your symptoms, ovulate, have healthy ovulation consistently, and then start trying to get pregnant. Because I really believe that we should start healing and then try to get pregnant. Like give yourself some time, three, six months of consistent research and implementation of these diet and lifestyle changes, and then hop back onto the fertility journey because you want to go into it strong. Going back to what Tyne said, going off of birth control, it's like you want to start thinking about your fertility at a very young age, like even before you want to get pregnant, because if you're not ovulating, if you're not fertile, you want to start working on those, uh, those symptoms factors that are contributing to it. Yeah. Do you want to focus on those factors from an early age so that they don't snowball? Because a lot of people, they get di- they get uh, prescribed birth control, but they don't realize that it can actually snowball the issues because they're all you know behind the scenes. And then when you get off of birth control, it's like 10 times worse. So true. And also birth control doesn't un- address the underlying root causes, the inflammation, the insulin resistance. And so even if you do become pregnant, you have a higher risk of gestational diabetes and other problems. So there's so many mm-hmm. reasons to give yourself 
I jokingly call it in my practice, the pregnant pause, but like (sighs) to hit pause on the sort of survival mode mentality. I've got to get pregnant. I've got to get pregnant and give your body that time in that preconception journey to get deeply nourished. Yeah, exactly. Celine, you, um, well, you both, your, your company, your, your online presence is partly called a sister and her mister and sister relates to C Y S T E R, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian. So it's very much relating and identifying to having PCOS. Yes. My question for you is, well, it's kind of like a complex question in a sense of one, as a woman who has reversed her PCOS symptoms or largely so, do you identify as someone who has PCOS or do you identify as someone who previously had PCOS? And as part of that, how does a woman on the PCOS journey frame her PCOS so that she's not identified as that and is able to look forward beyond it and heal, but also acknowledge her own kind of biological setup. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Like not fall victim to it, but accept that this is part of her life. Yes. And so do you feel that when you talk about reversing symptoms, do you in your mind see yourself as having reversed PCOS, reversed the symptoms? How do you identify yourself? I identify myself as having reversed PCOS because I've figured out from my body what works and what doesn't work, how I need to live my life day to day to prevent my cortisol dysregulation, my insulin resistance, thyroid, my inflammation, to prevent all these root issues of PCOS from flaring up. I'm consistent with eating gluten dairy free, our slow weighted workouts, with um, acupuncture, meditation, like all of the things. It's part of my life. And I don't see it as like a chore for PCOS or anything like that because it makes me feel good. So then I don't identify myself or I don't feel like I'm a victim to PCOS. Instead, I'm enjoying the things that are nourishing me, that are making me thrive with PCOS. I love that. It's when I it's very similar to what I say to my patients. I say, look, if you had been diagnosed with diabetes based on symptoms and blood sugar levels and you didn't have symptoms anymore and your blood sugar levels were completely normal, you wouldn't have diabetes anymore. You would no longer have that diagnosis. It would be a past mm-hmm. diagnosis. But mm-hmm. because you had diabetes, it's really I'm talking about type 2 diabetes. It's really important to realize that you have a predisposition to this. So living the lifestyle now to prevent it from recurring is very important. And also PCOS to me is, I'm very hesitant to call it an opportunity, particularly someone who doesn't have it. It's easy for me to say. Mm -hmm. But women who get diagnosed with PCOS early on and get onto the path that you are on are actually doing all the things that so many people, especially in the US, fall victim to chronic diseases later, diabetes, high blood, sugar, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, dementia, all these things can prov- that you're doing are really a healthy lifestyle that ideally we'd all be doing. I'm with you. Yeah, I agree with that. So I have one more question for you both. 
How did you decide to not join your paths as a couple, but join your paths professionally? I mean, clearly you have a great setup as a physical trainer and a, and a dietitian, but what was it that was like, okay, we've got a thing here and we're going to create a business, a company, products, courses, and help other people and do it as a couple, not just you, Talene, doing it as a woman helping other women. Well, I should first say that Talene did start the, the the company, the business herself, and was able to, she, she started spreading amazing awareness on Instagram and so many places herself. And the way I got involved was simply just TikTok. I, you know, when TikTok started to go viral, I told Talia, I was like, you know, maybe we should start filming some TikToks and start to spread some awareness there. And we started doing it and our videos started to go viral. They got like 2 million views, 3 million views. And we were like, holy crap. So we started to get more and more into it, started to film. And it took, started to take up a lot of my time because at the same time, I was an engineer, the back, uh, background in personal training. So I quit my job so I could join time full time and focus on the YouTube, focus on the podcast and just basically help her spread awareness as much as possible. So it's honestly like one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. I'm sure time would agree. And it's all because we're able to help people like every day. I love that. Do you guys work easily and well together or do you work very differently, but maybe still easily and well well together? (laughs) I would say we work pretty well together. We're both very like in tune with each other's needs and workload and what's going on in the business we're both managing together I feel like yeah I feel like we're like we're always together and we're always just like next to each other and I don't know we we tell each other like I don't know if our friends could do this we feel like if our friends did this they would fight or they would like (laughs) I don't know but we're able to like find that synergy together and I don't know. So far, so good. (laughs) So far, it's good. Yeah. It's fun to be creative together. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So I have to tell you, one of my favorite videos that I have ever seen on social media is your video. You're wearing some, like some sweatpants, like a jogger. And it's a video about like you going off to the doctor. It's so funny. It's amazing. I think I know which one. I think I know which one that is. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? There's so many, but I know which one she's talking about. It's like when you're walking down the hallway after the doctor. Exactly. Exactly. You posted it around the time you interviewed me. So I I saw it right then. And it was so, you're very sassy. And you're like, just me. Yeah, it's just you. It's just you. I love that. (laughs) It's really great. You have some great videos on your your social. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's fun to make them. How can folks get in touch with you and learn what you're doing and what they can be nourished by. Yeah. So if anyone wants to watch those funny videos and learn at the same time, we have our Instagram page, PCOS.weightloss, PCOS.weightloss. And Talia every day shares her stories, what she eats in a day and her daily tips. And then if you also want to work with us, we have our website, PCOSweightloss.org. That's where you can join the sisterhood, our membership community, where we help you learn how to manage your PCOS and thrive with PCOS, as well as provide recipes, uh, workouts, um, live calls every single month. And uh, if you want to listen to uh, another podcast, as well as this one about PCOS, we have our podcast called A Sister and Her Mister. You already know how sister is spelled, but we basically cover different PCOS topics every single weekend. That's available anywhere where podcasts are listened to. You guys... I love hearing your story. It's 
it, I mean, I don't mean to be insulting by saying it's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> you're adorable, but you're a powerhouse. You're like adorable powerhouse and reframing how women, but also couples can thrive together and thrive through a condition that when someone gets a diagnosis can feel very discouraging and very permanent and very pervasive. So I just want to honor the work that you're doing. I, I'm sure everyone has enjoyed listening to you so much. And also just really want to thank you for your generous support of me during my book launch. Um, I know how busy you are. And so I, I felt very personally nourished by you. So thank you for that. Oh, thank oh, absolutely. you. Yeah, thank you for having us. And we, we also have uh, loved having you on. And just want to send like one more message to, all, to everybody listening. For those with PCOS, we just want you to know that you can reverse your symptoms, that yes. we want you to feel empowered. And we're here for you, just as, as well as with Dr. Aviva Ram to help you through it. So yes, don't feel discouraged. We're here. Take it one step at a time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you both for joining me. And I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio. Thank you. you enjoyed this episode of natural md radio if you did please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog and while you're there be sure to sign up for my newsletter it's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally that's avivaram.com take care and see you next time